Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world, not once, not twice, but three times. That's right. For the third time, we have the one, the only Mike Fulton. Yay. <laughs> President of Exactware on our show. Can you believe it, Lee? I can't. I can't. This is one that we typically get once a year at Elevate, but mm-hmm. with the world mm-hmm. and the state mm-hmm. that it is, mm-hmm. uh, Elevate was virtual, which was mm-hmm. wonderful. It did a great job. We'll get to talk to him about that. But we're a little bit after after Elevate, and we get to talk with him today about all things Exactware, all things insurance, all things PNC, all things InsureTech. Um, we we get asked some some great questions of him today. I'm always excited to have him on. And Mike uh, is a is a filing cabinet of brilliant ideas, philosophies, and um, so approachable. We can't help but have him on every year. And usually, we would have him on as part of our coverage of Elevate, which in our particular space that we work in here at Alacrity, it's one of our most must go to conferences. Yeah, absolutely. And Mike makes the time to be with us, and um, we didn't get to go to the conference this year, and everybody on this podcast knows why. In fact, everybody in the world knows why we didn't get to go this year, but he nonetheless is making time for us to be with us. You know, Mike's that type of guy that you just want to sit around a campfire and listen to him talk. He has great stories. Uh, he's, He's just... You know, he's a really intelligent guy whenever we totally. get to talk to him. And uh, I'm excited to get to talk about where Exactware was last year during the world of COVID and quarantine and how that affected them. And then where they're going in the future with the world of integrations, with the world of uh, insured first, right? Getting the policyholder to do more on the claim at their own will, their own decision. Uh, I'm excited to get to talk to him about that and a little bit about the uh, competition space out there. Yeah, which is which has greatly changed in the last year and will continue to change uh, going forward. And we'll hear all about that when we turn it over to our interview with Mike Fulton, president of Exactware. Hey, everybody. We are here with our very special guest, a three-timer, I believe. This will be your third time on the podcast is that right mike that sounds right okay. yeah I think so. so sounds right we have with us today mike fulton or as we like to call him mr mike fulton who <laughs> is the president of exactware glad to be here who uh the argument could be made was the first or if not one of certainly one of the first insure techs that was ever out there and still around in a very potent force today and mike um, is fresh off of his a- annual conference, Elevate, that goes on every year in February in Salt Lake City. But it was a little different this year, wasn't it, Mike? It was quite different. It was a, uh, in, in, in some ways, okay, in other ways, mostly just bizarre, like the rest of the year has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so share with us what what was it like to do a conference after so many years 
of putting on Elevate. And just for those people in the audience who aren't on the claims side, Elevate in the PNC world, in the property world, certainly is one of the premier events of the year. And everybody goes, what, what, what's a typical attendance, Mike? A thousand? Yeah, I think in 2020, which I mean, we, we were commenting just before we started recording that the one that we did in 2020 was just a, a, a few weeks, literally, before the, the, the world started spinning in the wrong direction, at least for most of us. Uh, and I think record attendance that that year, it was a record, uh, was somewhere in the 800 plus range. And so going digital, which we did this year, we had, uh, I think times five that for registrants wow, uh, and I think it was about times three of that for uh, for actual attendance so usually when you have these things digital you have just so many more people register than are actually able to attend uh, and first of all thank you for the kudos on the conference it really has grown to be mm-hmm. uh, it's its own animal you know in in the industry and we've we've been very cautious to not turn it into you know, an expo or have anything like that. It's right. really a, really meant to be a networking event. And the comments I typically hear in, in the hallway, I mean, some of the best ones I've heard from people are, you know, it's you know, PLRB, if you're familiar with that conference, which we, we go to uh, every year, uh, is, is where you go to party uh, and elevates where you go to get business done. And, and people just saying, you know, I can get more done in this 48-hour period than I can in months. Otherwise, because everybody is there and you can connect with them in the hallway and just the kind of the serendipitous meetings, as they say, are just are happening all over the place. And we had, I think we had had literally a hundred and more than 150 individual customer meetings in breakout rooms during the 2020 conference. It's just it, it's amazing the, the level of engagement we get. There's there's two kinds of people in the business world. There's conference people and people who aren't conference people. And I'm 100% a conference person because like what you're saying, uh-huh. the amount of engagement that can happen face to face is unparalleled to, you know, what, how we've been living in the last year. So let's just jump in there and, and talk about COVID. Let's talk about COVID and exact where Sitting at the top of the organization, what kind of challenges has it presented for you in the past year, including Elevate? Great question. Uh, and that's the one that is is kind of being asked across the board. And from a business perspective, well, first of all, from an operational perspective within the business, luckily, we're, we're a technology business. And, you know, we were able to shift to a remote work environment pretty quickly. I mean, literally overnight. Most people have laptops, so they left laptops in hand. I think it was actually on March, Friday the 13th, March 13th was our last day in office. And Mike, you know, said, "Ah, we'll be back in the office by April 1st. Right. Uh, That didn't happen. But, you know, people stayed engaged in the technology that exists today. I mean, here we are uh, using, using this tool set. We use Microsoft Teams internally. The ability for us to stay engaged with each other, have virtual meetings is, is great and it's phenomenal. The, the challenge, and this is one of the ones that's harder to, to quantify from an operational perspective. I mean, I mean, you mentioned it, Rob, face-to-face meetings and the level of engagement is just 
exponentially larger than you can get in a virtual session. And when we have these type of meetings, whether it's Zoom, whether it's WebEx, whether it's Skype or, or Teams, you, you tend to see, you know, if you have two people in the meeting, you're both engaged, obviously, videos on, you can, you can kind of capture body language, things of that nature. You know, you get up to four or five, yeah. six people, you're still doing pretty well, but there's this sweet spot so to speak, when you hit about eight to 10 people where people start and, and they'll say, oh, well, I got to worry about my bandwidth here at the house and they'll click off a video, which is understandable. But then people just naturally start multitasking, whether they're texting, whether they're emailing, trying to get things done. I mean, we're in a, it's a fast paced environment and the level of engagement goes down. And so that was the one thing I think at Elevate that was difficult this year is when you were when you're presenting, especially, especially obviously, but since many of the sessions were pre-recorded, mm-hmm. you're just you're not looking out at the audience. You're not seeing the reactions on their faces of of what you're saying. Right. You're not having the follow-up conversations when you come off the stage to to expand on different things. And I I firmly believe, and you know, it's this is the tough part to quantify. I think everybody is staying 100% productive, but I worry that things just don't happen at the same speed. I mean, when here I am in office. I'm, we're starting our phase one back to office, so I'm in actually in office today. But you know, in, in a normal situation, I sit at my desk, obviously, quite a bit doing emails and having meetings. But you you get up from your desk, you you walk around the building, you walk down the hall, you run into people, you say, "Hey, how are the kids? How are you doing? How's the family?" Next thing you know, you're talking about business, mm-hmm. right? And you're start you're solving problems. You're you're taking care of issues, and that happens five, 10 times a day, you know, on an average day. Whereas in this kind of environment, I've got to, you know, I've got to send Rob an email and say, Rob, do you have time to talk? Or I send him a text and he bounces back to me. Yes. Well, when do you have time? I don't know. Not today, maybe tomorrow. And mm-hmm. it's a week later before you connect. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. it's really difficult. And that's probably the biggest challenge, uh, I think, for us as a business. I mean, thankfully, we, we're staying engaged with our customers. Uh, they're staying engaged with us. It's been great. Um, I mean, all of us here on this call have got a relationship, so we're able to, to chat uh, and right, be real right. with each other. Trying to establish a relationship with someone with whom you don't have that relationship in a, in a digital setting is tough. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I was talking to a coworker the other day. Normally my day is full of solving problems. And the way I find these problems are I just listen. I'll listen to conversations or somebody will just pop into my office. But over the past year, I've found that I'm solving fewer problems because they're not mm-hmm. they're not just surfacing. And a lot of times it's around the old water cooler you're talking. Right. And someone's like, Yeah, man, I wish this was easier. And we're like, Oh, there's a way. But without that chit chat session, you, you miss out on a lot of things. So I'm happy to hear that you are getting back to phase one of coming back to the office. You know, Rob and I have recently uh, joined a larger organization and we had to come into this organization hundred percent virtually. It's hard. It's hard to, to get to know people and build those relationships. Yeah. And I, I would only imagine you see that, you know, tenfold with the number of carriers you have to deal with because they constantly are changing, right? People are moving from one carrier to the next. What is it you're doing to to really build those relationships at that at that senior level of the carriers? Well, so our our parent company, uh, Verisk, uh, we've got quite a quite a customer engagement team from not just those at at my level at the at the CEO level at the presidency level, but you know all the way down to the sales and the tech support level. So we're we're touching customers at a at a number of different levels within their organizations, from the decision makers on down to the 
into the end users. And I will say that that has been a little bit easier. It's, I mean, especially with those that you, you already have that relationship. And even those that you don't, while it's tougher to establish that relationship, there's, there's no lack of desire on either side to make that happen. People are available. They're at their desks, even if their desk is at their home office or, or whatever. They are available and, and ready to talk. And the one good thing is, thankfully, we don't have to you know, go drive to the airport and strap ourselves to an airplane seat and fly for several <laughs> right. hours and you know, miss two days in the office for a two-hour meeting. That's great. Right. So the level of engagement in many ways has gone up for one-on-one type of meetings, but we see when we have different group meetings uh, and, you know, we we make it a big point at our organization to try and get out at least semi-annually with our major customers. One of those mm-hmm. semi-annual meetings was at Elevate and typically at Elevate when we were in a normal situation. And you've got, you know, 20 people in the room and you're talking strategy. We're, we're talking about our roadmap. They're telling us about their roadmap. We're, we're tuning those conversations to see how we can align the roadmaps. And, you know, you're doing that and you're breaking for lunch. There might be a dinner the night before or the, the night after, you know, and it's just it's, it's just a, a different type of atmosphere. It's much more formal. So even when I'm calling and trying to meet with Joe or Mary or, or whomever within my organization, it's, it's like a formal arrangement. I've got something on the calendar and we're going yes. to we're going to connect. And then we've got a certain allotted time in which to meet. And then we move on to the next meeting. Yeah. So is Elevate next year, are you guys thinking Salt Lake City in person? I certainly hope so. Uh-huh. We, have, we have engaged with you know, the, the Grand America, which is where we've been having it. Great hotel. Uh-huh. If, if anybody's listening oh, that's been out there, it's just, a, it's just top notch. Yeah. They built it here in Salt Lake to, because there were no five-star hotels in Salt Lake City, believe it or not, at the time. But they built it for the Olympics to house all right. the VIPs for that. Uh, gig back, uh, you know, back in the, I think it was 2002. But yeah, we have secured that. I mean, we had it secured this last year uh, and then obviously it didn't happen. So they were gracious enough and like our business enough that they were able to uh, roll that over into 2022. Mm-hmm. So that is that is our plan currently. Good. And mm-hmm. I would imagine it'll be in some form of a hybrid, you know, in-person versus virtual because mm-hmm. it's just, we were able to get so many more people uh, at a virtual event. Not that I wanted to spend a lot of time on COVID today, but I do think it's interesting to hear that you guys are in phase one. Probably heard that 470 was acquired by Alacrity in February of this year, just in fact, just before the conference. You know, we're primarily a remote company. Everybody works pretty much remote. We have some offices around, but most people work from their homes. And it'll be very interesting. I'm sure you guys are speculating on what the future looks like, you know, once we get back to whatever that new normal is. What are you guys planning on? Are you planning on everybody coming back? It'll look like 2020 or 2019, or is there a new normal that you guys have envisioned post-COVID? Great question. I I think there will undoubtedly be a a new normal, and and everybody's looking towards this. I mean, there's, there's quite a few people that are enjoying working from home and want to continue to do that. I And those in management kind of get it and understand the need to get everybody together into a room around a whiteboard and, and solve problems. And, and some folks, some, some roles are much more conducive to remote work. Right. Um, and some people are much more conducive to remote work. And I, I've always said, you know, to our managers is look, you, 
if you can measure uh, someone's productivity and stay engaged with them, then and and you feel like this is a person that can continue to remote workly, then then let's have the discussion. You know, the old adage, you can't manage what you can't measure is rings true all the time. We were actually and we were approaching fairly close to capacity in our building here. And so at a continued growth rate in the old normal, we would have had to look at potentially leasing new space. Mm-hmm. But as we start going into more of a hybrid where people might be working from home two of the three days a week or one of the three days a week, that not not initially, certainly, because we don't have the space issue right now, but at some point you could get into a what, what some call hoteling or just it's just desk or office sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even some of the new Verisk offices that are being built across the globe today, we're assuming pre-COVID about eight desks for every 10 people. Oh, and I okay. think post-COVID, you could scale that back even a little bit more to maybe go to six desks for every 10 people. And there's yeah. some really cool softwares out there where you can, I mean, Mike can log in and it knows what area of the building my team is in and where I should be located. It knows whether I, I'm able to secure an office or whether I should be in a cubicle. And I, it's just like picking a seat on the airplane. You can, you can say, I'm going to be in on Tuesday and Thursday of this week. I want these two locations and, and reserve them a week ahead of time. And uh, it's, it's available. And we would probably go into that type of a mode. I think initially, so phase one is uh, we've probably got a, uh, maybe a fifth of the people that are coming in on any given day. Phase three, which we're, we're calling quote unquote normal, is, you know, we anticipate hopefully being back into that state by third quarter of this year. I mean, everybody's getting vaccinated and, you know, the herd immunity is growing. So that's a, a good thing. And we're anticipating being in that type of a role. But I anticipate when we get back into that normal stage, the new normal, is that we'll we'll probably have two-thirds to maybe three-quarters of the people here on any given day. And, you know, people will be working from home at least one day out of the week and perhaps two in many cases. You're a growth company, as you said. You're continually adding people. While people are working at home, are you able to start hiring outside of the area? Yeah. Um, Because you're in a very uh, competitive market. I I follow many companies around the the Salt Lake area, and it is a hub for intelligent uh, people in your space. And right. and I imagine it gets harder and harder to, to hire people. So has, has this allowed you to go outside of the area and, and hire yeah. more permanent at home? It, it has. I mean, and we've obviously, we within the last year, we've hired people that are even local that have never stepped foot inside <laughs> the building, um, right. which is a, a different type of thing. You're shipping equipment out to them and onboarding them, getting them engaged with the team. But yes, I mean, we want to explore beyond that. Uh, and our, our technical support, our call center team, probably the greatest example, one of the easiest to manage because all the tools they use are SaaS-based. I mean, you can look on a monitor on a website and see who's on chat, who's on call, how many have they done, and what's the average wait time, the average handle time, and so on. We're hiring those folks in different locations, different states. Um, we are hiring developers in, in different areas now as well. And, and we've had some really good success with it. And the ability to explore, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, is that you know, this is a, a really tight job market for technical help uh, in this particular area uh, and a lot of competition. Uh, and uh, it's not that that's not a bad thing. 
but it's 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 just good to be able to get outside of this market uh, and look at uh, look into other areas. So we've had some great success with it, and I anticipate that'll that will continue. Well, good. Well, I mean, you've always had a great track record of hiring great people. Some of some of my favorite people in the industry uh, have worked or do work uh, with Exactware. So uh, continue with that, and it'll it'll be very successful. I'd like to ask a little bit about the past year and Exactimate. When you know, back in February and March, there was a fear that claims would decrease and and a lot of things. Um, would really change within the insurance space. But as we found out, auto claims really decreased, but property claims not so much. You know, weather still happened. People were home more. More things were happening uh, to the home. Uh, what what did Exactware really see during this COVID period? Was it a, a larger increase in claims? What, what, what all went on during this time? I think the biggest hit, I think we saw a fair amount of normalcy apart from some key areas. Uh, water losses uh, on the residential side uh, went down and I had have had many discussions. Well, not recently, I think things are more back to normal, but uh, in those early days, you know, those, those group of service, service providers and contractors that focus on water mitigation really took tremendous hits. To, to their business because people are at home. I mean, they're able to, something, a pipe breaks, I'm able to shut off the water uh, and I can, I can mitigate it myself much more quickly, number one. And number two, I mean, and during the early stages, when you think of March, April, May, even into June, people are really hesitant to have somebody else in their home. And so there was there was a delay, there was a lag of, of claims actually being reported. So we saw, a, 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 I guess, a material, I, I would say, dip in those types of claims during that uh, during that March through perhaps early June timeframe. Uh, and uh, but beyond that, it's it seems to have gotten fairly normal. Now, people have changed the way they're doing business. Obviously, remote engagement is key. We've we've had a product out for four plus years called Claim Experience that started off is just, you know, kind of a FaceTime on steroids. So just right. the ability to do right. audio and video collaboration remotely. And, you know, the technology has been there to be able to do that. So a, a, an adjuster sitting at a desk could, could certainly triage a claim uh, and perhaps even adjust the thing, you know, front to back um, remotely. And if it's a large loss, you know, you can do reinspects remotely, mm-hmm. you know, just by the homeowner streaming that uh, that video to you. But there was always this hesitancy on, I think on the consumer side, to want to engage that way, they didn't consider that kind of the quote unquote white glove treatment. You know, I, I really want a, a, the white glove treatment for a claim and insurers, yeah. certainly this is this is their opportunity to fulfill on the promise, which they've, they've been making over the past several years. Their need to compete uh, and, and rise above the rest was, I'm going to provide that additional level of service and, and actually come out and visit you on site. Well, uh-huh. all of that changed. So the, yeah, the reluctancy of, of the policyholder to, to have somebody in their home and the, the, you know, the trepidation, I guess, even for the contractor side to be in someone's home and the carrier trying to minimize exposure really turned the corner on that thing. We, we saw that tool took 500% increases in usage in a matter of months. Really? I've, I've wondered about that. Yeah. We, and we actually, you know, just we're trying to do our part. Everybody, everybody became a germaphobe overnight, right? Sure. Oh, right, absolutely. Right. 
And so we're trying to do our part to serve the industry and thought, what can we do? And so we, we just gave the thing away for um, almost a two month period and just said, let's yeah. just, and I think we calculated how many thousands of, you know, potential exposures we were able to alleviate in the market and, uh, and just, you know, by people not having to actually go out into the home. Uh, and mm-hmm. then obviously contractors on, on the expense side, you know, PPE, so personal protective equipment, which you would typically only wear in certain scenarios. Now you're wearing all the time, every time. right? Uh, every time you go into someone's home, you're wearing some level of PPE. Yeah, right. And so right. that expense goes up. The other thing that we saw, I mean, obviously lumber increases, which everybody, if, if, if you're familiar with or staying close with that, it's just phenomenal. It's what unbelievable. That done. Well, you, know, you think about it, there's always an influx. Well, it's always seasonable, seasonal from a pricing perspective based upon supply and demand. It always goes right. up in the spring and goes down in the fall. And, you know, the, the manufacturers and the mills kind of cut back on production early on, anticipating that things were going to slow down. And plus, they're trying to minimize exposure on their own. And just the opposite happened. The construction industry kept going and Plus, we're all sitting at home and, our, you know, we're all thinking about what kind of remodeling can we do while we're stuck That's here. That's exactly right. And, and we're all buying lumber like crazy and, and they just have not kept up and they've not been able to recuperate from the shortages. It's just incredible. Mike, I want to talk for a minute about where you're at and, and where you're going. And when I say you, I mean the company. So let's start real quickly by, by level setting on what is exact where today uh, quickly, and then and then we want to look at what what's the roadmap that you're talking about and that you talked about at Elevate. So let's start with what is Exactware. Certainly, a technology provider. Uh, our our goal is to to provide tools that help people do their job much more effectively in in certain spaces. Historically, it's been on the property claim side. We're of late kind of reinvesting and reinventing ourselves in the non-claims construction space because we've got the estimating expertise, we've got the building cost data that I think sets us apart from many of the others. So we're, we're growing in that remodeling and real estate and property management and foreclosure space uh, with, wow. with that type of information. But you know, Verisk itself considers itself a data analytics company or a, a data company. And, and everything that we do surrounds that data. We've, we've, got, we've got a wealth of claims data here from which we can provide trends and stats relative to what's going on in the industry. We've got a wealth of building cost data that's continually refreshed that enable us to publish that and stay abreast and you know, keep p- people up to date with regard to, uh, to building costs in that market. But I've always considered ourselves just a we're a tools provider. You know, we, we don't want to be feet on the street. We don't want to compete with our customers. We want to just, we want to provide them with the tools that, that they need to solve their business needs. And so it's a, it's an interesting balance of trying to, you know, gauge, listen to customers, gauge where they think they're going to need to be or where you think they're going to need to be a year from now, two years from now, listening to them. It's a balance between leading where you should and following where you, where you should as well. But again, like I said, with those with those large customer meetings, it's just, you know, here's our roadmap. How does this align with yours? And let's let's tune hours to make sure that it does align. That's where I see us uh, as you know, fitting filling the the niche in the industry. You've had a couple of premier products through the years under the exact label. Do those continue to be your leading products, and and do you see that continuing? 
Without a doubt. So our, our core products, we started and it goes back to 1986 when you mentioned, Rob, one of the fir- we were one of the first insurtechs before that name actually became a, a, a moniker. But uh, Xactimate, you know, estimating tools that uh, really when the PC, the personal computer was just coming into its own and people were starting to, you know, get used to having their own computer at the available. I know the, the first computer I bought fresh out of college had a hundred megabyte hard drive. I thought there's no way in the world I'm ever going to fill this thing up. <laughs> but it's just amazing how quickly things have grown. But Xactimate, yes, has been the core. And we in this market, and I'd say the, the insurance market, property claims market in the US and North America, we still do things stick by stick, brick by brick. That's the type of estimate that that everybody wants to see. And you know, we're not trying to haven't historically tried to become estimators. We're just trying to provide people the tools that allow a professional estimator to do their job much more quickly. Uh, and I, I see that continuing. What we see outside of North America are many of the, what have historically been less mature claims markets. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It just means they've been doing things much more in the old ways that we used to do pre, pre-19 90, you know, where mm-hmm. you, I have a yeah. loss, I, I go get three competitive bids from three contractors, submit that to my insurance carrier, and they talk with the contractors and they work out a settlement and everybody's happy. They're looking to go to more of an automated type of state uh, and automating that type of workflow. So what's what's common in Europe, for example, is I have a loss, I, I, I submit a, a, a a bid to my insurer that I've received from a contractor. They're looking at it and, and I use dollars because that's what I'm, a familiar, I'm familiar with. And they say, okay, well, this is a $17,000 bid and they want a quick application. You know, I want to answer three questions. What's the location? What's the type of job? What's the size of the job? And give me a range. And if the range that thing returns is between 15 and 20, then yeah, this $17,000 bid this guy's got is not bad. Let's Let's go ahead and settle it. And that's kind of the model that they are using. And so what we're seeing in some of those other markets is unlike here, which really still requires a very robust, you know, sometimes complex, complex workflow, very detailed workflow down to the penny, you know, down to making sure the sales tax is correct. Other markets are just, yeah, let's get it close. If you're happy, we're happy. Here's a check and we'll move on. So it's, it's a really simplified, simplified model outside of this. And that's, that's the direction that we need to head. I think that we'll see some of that in, in, in the U.S. and North American market. Yeah. But I think what's going to happen here is just more of a, 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 a an evolution towards automation. You know, what can we start automating from a claim perspective, if, even if it's just the, the high frequency, low severity stuff, you know, theft, glass breakage, things of that sure. nature, where I might be able to take a use a smartphone and the technology that's there and you know, measure something with the measurement tools that are on it, recognize an object, you know, see that it's been damaged and come up with a, a price and leverage Amazon or something like that who can have the thing sitting in my driveway within 24 hours. One of the things that, because you guys are in this very unique position of being the centerpiece tool that like for example, that we use in our business, Exact is it's a platform. In the insurtech world, there's lots of new tools that are coming into play that 
don't just want to be, but they kind of need to be part of your platform. And you, we've talked about this in the past about the exact suite becoming more open to integrating with some of these new t- innovative tools that are coming about. Does that continue to be something that you guys are very attentive to? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think last count, uh, I mean, we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 different third parties with whom we have in some level of integration that's available. And we get uh, we get hit, meaning not hit, but requests hit to the hit tune up. of hit up, right? About twice a week from different uh, startups that want to integrate with us. And probably the biggest challenge that we have is that because we're a platform and because we're housing a, you know, the insurer's data and uh, policyholder data, and there's such a sensitivity these days to, to cyber risk and misappropriation of PII, you know, we used to say that uh, back in the day when, you know, when the Ma Bell used to publish a phone book that had everybody's name and address and telephone number on it. We'd, yeah. we'd be horrified if everybody had our name, address, and telephone <laughs> right. number today. It's right. just, it's right. a weird thing. Right. But uh, because we house all of that, we really have some fairly strict requirements with regard to, you know, protection. They have to be able to meet the same level of, of data protection that we have to adhere to. And, uh, you know, we want, we have to measure that. We have to have the ability to audit it. There's an expense related to to that type of guarantee and, and that type of integration. And so we, we, we have to cover our expenses from those integrators uh, to make sure that we're doing that. But that's probably the biggest thing that slows us down uh, and, um, you know, makes us probably causes us to, to turn some of them away as if they can't meet this, the typical limits of liability. Do they, you know, do they have a million dollars worth of, of auto insurance coverage? Now that sounds strange, but you know, in today's world, if an if a third party integrator is driving to meet with an insurer to talk about their integration with Exactware, and heaven forbid they get into a, a wreck and hurt somebody, plaintiffs plaintiffs attorneys will go after whoever has the deepest pockets, and so we have to have that level of caution added to it. But yeah, short answer, Rob. Yeah, it's 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 a big strategy of ours. I mean, we want to. We want to provide as many of those tools as we can because we think a tighter integration can only be achieved between some of our own products versus a third party, and it's, it makes it more efficient. It reduces the number of clicks, but absolutely support customers and the those that they want to integrate. Are, are you seeing stuff out there that's making you go, wow, from these startups or insurtechs out there? who are coming to you looking for an integration. I mean, is it exciting? Do you see things that are remarkable or stunning? Yeah, there are some, there's some cool, there's still a lot of use cases in our world that can be fulfilled. And we just, we don't, uh, I mean, we can't, uh, meaning exact where can't do everything, nor do we want to do everything. I mean, a, a business strategy is, a, is as much about deciding what you shouldn't do as it is about deciding what you should do, right? Totally. And so th- we we want to partner with people that can provide those those uh, and fulfill those types of use cases. I mean, everything from simple, gosh, invoicing of, of a claim and oh, yeah. uh, you know monitoring that to to make things more efficient. You know, payment, uh, automatic, you know, EFT payments and things of that nature. I, I we've got so many across the board. I, I guess I say building blocks of this 
automation. If you if you want to automate the property claims process, you know, cradle to grave, thinking FNOL to to settlement. There's a lot of building blocks in there. Just to, you know, as you got to verify coverage, you've got to verify or got to do fraud detection. You got to put a value on it. I mean, all of these different things that have to happen uh, throughout that property claims process. We've got many of the building blocks. Uh, you know, our goal is to now and, and challenge is to now create the mortar to pull all of those things together into a into a solid wall, but to also do it in such a way that that an insurer, if they want to, or or any any TPA or any contractor wants to plug in their own homegrown tool as a part of one of those building blocks or a third party, we want to be able to do that uh, as well. I, I do see a lot of uh, things. Um, remote measurement uh, is becoming pretty, it's kind of like a race to the bottom. Right. I feel bad. There's been some companies that have, you know, built their business strategy about uh, around developing a, you know, a remote measurement tool and, now with the the tools that are coming into play, the technology that's coming into play on the typical smartphone with the lidar, it's everybody's going to be doing it, and uh, even even us. And so it's it's a difficult thing to build your business around that one little tool right. that uh, that might more easily be replaced. So we're trying to think large scale. You know what can we offer our customers, uh, and then just make sure that we. Uh, we have the, all those tools readily available. Well, I love it. I am happy to announce that uh, we did talk to to Planner. They they are a, a measurement company, right? And they did successfully integrate with Exactware. We had them on, uh, and I know last year there was discussion that they wanted to do that. So it is being proven that these companies are integrating. They're coming into your ecosystem. Uh, so it's exciting to hear that that's actually happening. Yep, and you should have seen. I think there was a press release recently for uh, with Matterport. Oh, uh, and yeah. uh, I think there's there's many others coming that way. So the uh, you know object recognition, I think, is is probably the next big thing to solve. We're we're doing it pretty well here. I think we've got a very high degree of accuracy. You know where you can point the camera of your smartphone at a thing. And we actually unveiled this at Elevate in 2020 and po- point my yeah. smartphone at a chair and it says, hey, that's a chair and this is a laptop uh, and that's a TV and that's a wall. And that's great. But, you know, continuing to have that algorithm learn because, uh, you know, a brand, new, a brand new laptop sitting there on the desk doesn't look the same as a laptop that's just come out of a fire. Right. Uh, and so you've got to be able to recognize that. But the next, the, the toughest thing is to really get it down to the SKU level and say, is, you know, is that a Vizio LED TV or is it a Sony? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because there's a significant price difference. Right. And right. the latest thing we're doing with that technology we unveiled in 2020, which you pointed at a single object and it would recognize it. Now you can just scan with video through the room and it picks up everything. And it just so you can add personal property inventory items to the tune of 30, you know, in a, in a second, you know, to your estimate. So basically whenever you're scanning the, the room, it'll, it'll create a list for you per yep, se. It, yep. It highlights all of those things. You just touch it with your touch, touch it with your finger and it starts adding them to your personal property inventory and personal property inventory, you know, has been the, the one nut that we've been trying to crack. Um, yeah. The carriers have been trying to crack on even on the underwriting side is how do you incent people to, to really do that within their home and keep it up to date? 
Right. I mean, I'm here. We are. We're waist deep in the insurance industry, and I uh-huh. admittedly, I don't have a good personal property inventory of th- the things in my home. Right. But that's the thing that that I think would be helpful. That's continuing to grow, and but the the tough thing about that technology is you could have a, you know, it you it, it would pinpoint a box, and it would recognize that it's a box. But, you know, if you look at it, if you and I are looking at it, you're saying, well, that's a box that's got a 60 inch or housed a 60 inch LED TV. Mm-hmm. Is it empty or where is, does it have a TV in it? And when all the technology says is, hey, it's a box. So those are things we've got to continue on. Uh, and right. then that's the next step on the personal property side on the uh, and, and there are some there's some AI you can you can put into place with that. Number one, you could say, OK, based upon you know, the location and perhaps some other things we know about your home that, you know, maybe there's a, there's a good chance that it's this type of a TV versus this type of a TV. Same way when you start looking at build, building materials, you know, if I'm scanning a wall and it says, well, it's drywall, if we know it's in a garage, uh, you know, then we can say, well, there's a, there's a good chance that it's five eighths inch drywall rather than half inch. Uh, and, just a number of things like that, that that you can do based upon the age of the home. I'm looking at stone veneer based upon the age of the home. Is it natural or is it is it cultured stone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny to think, you know, I've been to many, many Xactware conferences and I used to walk away from Xactware conferences and say, they're trying to take my job, right? I'm the adjuster and I'm saying they're, they're, they're trying to take my job. Now that it's proven itself that this pandemic has happened, that COVID has happened, we're all in agreement that yes, yes, it does need to be easier on the policyholder. It does need to be more seamless. Uh, that a lot of mindsets have changed and said, yeah, you know, we're still there to go out and look, but it also has to be easier. Uh, so that, that's got to be a little bit easier for you whenever you're rolling out these, these new products and these new designs. You're not getting, maybe, you're not getting as much pushback as saying, um, you know, you, you don't have to do that because it's been proven you do have to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you've got to be able to monitor the thing and make sure it's doing what you expect it to do. And when you think of the loss adjustment process, I mean, there's fairly small slice of it that's involved in just creating the estimate, you know, and, and so if you can, if, if it would enable you as an adjuster to do, to have more throughput, more bandwidth and get to more jobs uh, in a day, obviously you're able to make more money. You're able to, to, right. to move on to those things relative to true customer service and making sure that that policyholder is being taken care of. Yeah. I mean, that, and that, that, that's what we all preach. It's about helping people. It's about getting people back to where they need to be quickly and accurately. No one party should be selfish about that. That's really what the goal is. And so using these tools for what they're designed for is to quickly and accurately scope and estimate and get, get money where it needs to be. We all need to be in agreement that that's what we should do. Yeah. Think of yourself. I mean, when I used to frame homes uh, and, yeah. and do interior finish work, you know, when I bought, when they, somebody tried to sell me a compressor and a nail gun and and hose, though I I certainly wasn't thinking it was going to take my job. Right. <laughs> but that's that's exactly really the right. that's the analogy that you've got to think of with these things is you know it's it's going to be putting tools in your hands this to enable you to to move more quickly and efficiently. I agree. In the few minutes we have left with you, I'd like to turn the corner and talk about competition. The universe continues to evolve. Technology continues to evolve at a, as a, at a rapid pace. And we saw this year 
a major carrier make a big change from your platform to a competing platform. That had to obviously, of course, get your attention. What's the competitive environment like now? Things are not as easy as it used to be. I mean, I think about Microsoft anytime I think about a situation like this, a company that basically had the corner on the market, but then evolved and is still vital and important and and bigger than they used to be. So right. how are you looking at the competitive environment and the challenges thereof today? Great question. Uh, and there there is a, a growing competitive environment. There's a lot of consolidation that's happening out there that, I mean, we've, when it comes to new technologies and things of that nature, the, you know, people in our position, it's, it's always the decision, do you build the thing or do you buy it? You know, it's just, do you acquire someone that's already doing this versus building it yourself? And there's pros and cons of, of both of those. But I think that in general, people are becoming, not that they haven't been, but are much more today cost conscious. Uh, and, you know, simplification of tools is, is critical uh, for them. I mean, again, as I mentioned, relative to the European model, the kind of once and done or three questions and I'm out. Um, there are other tools that provide those types of things, and we've got to move quickly to to be able to fill that space. I mean, right? It's the old adage. I mean, if I'm selling, if I'm if I've got an Audi dealership and somebody comes in wanting to buy a VW, I've got two choices. I can either send them down the road or I can start selling VWs. And what we want to be able to do is the latter. Uh, obviously, we want to have a, a good broad tool set to make sure that we can fulfill our customers' needs. But there is a growing competitive landscape out there. And even, even some of those that integrate with us, the fear is that some of those start creeping into a competitive space with us as they try and grow their organization. And, you know, we're open to it. We want to be a, a very open platform, but we do monitor it very closely. Uh, and we, we firmly believe we can provide better tools than our competitors can. Uh, because we've got the a wealth of historical data that helps us to drive the engines that that uh, or feed the engines rather that uh, that will drive those tools, uh, and so it's it's just the ongoing fight. I mean, when you're when you're at the top of the hill, and and you know, thankfully, thank heaven, we've we've gotten to this point as an organization. You're you're the one everybody wants to knock off, and if you if you sit back and uh, and take that for granted. You're, you are going to get displaced, uh, and we want to make sure that we're, we're always sensitive to that and always taking care of our customers. Well, Mike, as we draw to an end here, you know, we are always so happy to have you on. We love it. You know, the, the decisions that, that Exactware and Verisk make whenever you're putting out these new products, when these new analytics, these new everything, right, really, really is a pivotal force in, in, in our industry. It's a driving force and makes other people, uh, make decisions. So your, your decisions are so important and, and we love having you on the podcast. We love hearing about where you've been, where you're going, and we just think the world of you and, and we thank you so much for being on today. Well, thanks so much, gentlemen. I, I thoroughly enjoy these and my hope is that we'll be sitting around a table face to face next yes. February and let's, let's yes. do this the right way. But thanks again. And I, I really enjoy this as well. Great. Next year though, we want a really nice lunch buffet. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> as part of it. Cause the last couple of years, we've pretty much caught you coming out of your keynote 
you know, you're all amped up because you just did a keynote in front of a thousand people. So next year, a really nice lunch buffet might be in order. Just just, just a suggestion. You know, a slushy or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, gentlemen. Take care of yourselves and stay safe. There are a handful of people in our industry who are legitimately wonderful, nice, fabulous people, and Mike Fulton is one of them. I could not agree with you more. He is such a wonderful person to talk to. I have a memory of me and you walking through PLRB one year after we had done one interview with Mr. Mike Fulton, and and he knew us. He knew us by name, mm-hmm. and he said, Hi, Lee. Hi, Rob. How are y'all? And I thought, he's not only nice whenever you speak to him he he remembers you he puts effort into his uh, relationships he's a he's a great guy and what a knowledgeable person in our space well right i mean he's a big shot he runs on the property in the world of property claims probably the preeminent technology company mm-hmm. in in the world of property claims right on, no question hands down hands down and just is the nicest, most approachable person and super, super smart, knows his business upside down and backwards, insightful and clever and creative. Yeah. I can't say enough good things about him. I can't either. And I, I appreciate so let's not him try. being on. Let's stop I appreciate trying. him being on today. Totally. Totally. And we appreciate you being with us. Always. And we appreciate it every single time because you get to listen to people like Mike Fulton on our show. Can you believe that? Can you no, believe I that? can't. I can't believe it. And so until next time, we'll say goodbye, everybody. <laughs>